Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's our goal here every single day. It's our mission to get better in all areas of life, especially health and wellness. And today we're going to get better indefinitely health and wellness with our guest. I'll start with the quote of the day that comes from our guest. Sometimes wellness looks like letting go of what's hurting us, even if it's hurting us to let go. Ooh. Isn't that good? I like that. Well, Kelsey liked two, so we have two quotes of the day, friends. (laughs) I like when you do this. Uh, Don't do it all the time, so it stays special, though. Um, Sometimes wellness looks like realizing their opinion doesn't have to be your reality. Dr. Will Cole. Heal Squad. Hello, hello. Today we're going to be chatting with Dr. Will Cole. We're very excited. He's a leading functional medicine expert who's been featured in Elle, Vogue, Goop, The Wall Street Journal. He believes that we can become healthy and we can do it naturally, enjoy the life that we were meant to live. We're going to talk about autoimmune diseases, inflammation, the gut-brain connection, the connection between physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental health, and so much more. I'm very excited for this conversation. Um, I think uh, I think the cool thing, I think what's going to happen eventually, just like everything else, right? Like electric cars come in, now everyone has to make electric cars. And, you know, organic comes in, everyone has to do organic. Like enough people keep pushing for change and change comes eventually the medical system is going to have to make adjustments and um, and kind of upgrade and 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 just grow because some of their systems are just a little antiquated and uh, and that kind of standard of care thing where it's a little bit you know one size fits all is going to have to change and I think functional medicine doctors like Dr. Will Cole and so many like him are really going to be pushing that because when you see the results that they get, um, you know, you can't deny that. Um, I was talking to my general practitioner about my functional medicine doctor and I'm like, you would love her and it would help you so much in your, your practice. And he's like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's funny. But like they can't <laughs> do anything outside of the scope of what those big institutions teaches them and allows them to, right. They have handcuffs as well. So what's great about, um, you know, the functional medicine world is, you know, you're going rogue, but you're going rogue in a really, if you're in in the right hands, in really good hands. So I like to balance both. You know, sometimes I go to my primary care physician who I love when I have something and, you know, it needs kind of like quick attention. And then I have my naturopath that really has kind of the big picture. Let's get to the root of the problem to help me figure out what supplements and where to, you know, where to add them and which ones to take out now and where are we going? Like, and I see such results so fast. Um, It's really, really cool. Something you taught me was just like, it's like gathering all the data, right? Because I'm 
I'm grateful and I'm lucky that I had a mom that I grew up and we literally went to a naturopath and we went to a Western doctor and then she was like, okay, now let's find a middle ground. Like that was always her philosophy. So smart. All, so smart. Yep. But then getting older, it was like, I didn't really know what to do with it necessarily. And you taught me a lot. Just it's like you gather the data, right? You gather the data and then you make your decision on what feels right for you. Mm -hmm. You do your research, you be your own advocate. So I think that like these functional medicine doctors, what I love about them and what I know just with everything I've gone through, like they actually sit and they listen to me. Like I can, mm -hmm. most of them, you know, it's like I can bring them my laundry list of questions and I don't feel like I'm bugging them. Like that's what I love because it's like, no. A collaboration. We, exactly, exactly. So that's what I think is so cool about functional and new, um, like naturopath and it, it, it makes my heart happy. I feel like I'm actually like getting to have a play a part in my own health and healing. Yeah. Shout out to my primary care physician in the Western world. Cause he is very thorough. Is and wait, do you still see Dr. Aaron? Did I you been, ever see him? I did. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, he's very thorough. He cares so much and he's, he is someone who will give you all of his time. Um, so there are great ones out there, but I do feel like they have some limitations based on, you know, just the system. So, uh, it's exciting to kind of build your little team and, and be able to collaborate with everybody and, and figure things out because, you know, Western is great for diagnostics and things like that, you know, so, um, when you just need to see these specialists for certain things and then you kind of take that data and then you go back to the naturopath and you're like, do I really have to take all this stuff? Exactly. Like, well, <laughs> we could do it this way and this way. Well, let's try that first. Mm -hmm. Let's see how that goes. That feels right. But you have to have your own internal guidance, right? Like you have to be the CEO of your own health. And that's when you're going to have the mm -hmm. best results if, because that means you're also paying attention to yourself. You're not just delegating it out to all these people who don't know your body like right. you know your body. Right. And be, and if you don't know your body, now you have to learn and get to know your body mm. a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like I noticed just after one day, the difference in my body of eating bread and not eating bread. And, you know, certain things were much better in the, you know, toilet world. <laughs> <laughs> in the toilet world. Well, I was like, oh my gosh, just not eating bread because I have, unfortunately, now a gluten intolerance. And so um, I was like, oh, okay. But again, because I've been making the changes to my diet little by little, it's not feeling like this massive, you know, big feet, yeah. feet to yeah. to eradicate this. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful that I've been making those changes because it just makes everything a little easier. And the truth is when you, even if no matter how much you have to eliminate, you're going to be your healthiest self and the body is meant to heal. So if you, you know, get into these kind of, you know, moments where you feel like I, I have to just eat air, I can't eat, eat anything anymore. The truth is you're really left with like the simplest of things, whether it's like fish and vegetables and just simple, clean things that are good for you. So I'm eating healthier than I ever have. And I was pretty healthy before, but I definitely had fun too. I was an 80-20 girl. Me too. Me too. So. But I think too, that like the cool thing that I love and I've learned through like my journey. My mom, again, shout out Deb. Like she's such a good chef. I always thought that I couldn't, I'm like, oh, I have to eat so clean and it's like I can't have fun you can still have fun with those things mm -hmm. like she would make certain sauces or even just like lather it in olive oil I mean it's it's there there is there are ways mm -hmm. to make these things good and fun and it, again it also is that mind shift right it's like you're not you're not losing out you're actually really winning it's funny I just had a flashback to when my mom and dad were in the hospital with COVID mm. and we were living in that empty house together <laughs> yeah. and you made me a um, grilled <laughs> yeah. almond butter sandwich and she used olive oil to grill the bread. And guys, it tasted just like it would have if it had butter on it. It was so good. So but now good. I always grow my bread with almond butter. Well, now I don't eat bread anymore, but I, I st that's what I did after thereafter. Um, and I really, really loved it. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's hard though if you've never been exposed to healthy food or you've never been exposed to cooking for yourself and you've had a whole different lifestyle. 
um, that's where it really is challenging. I mean, it's really, really painful. Really hard, yeah. But, um, you know, I think you also have to surround yourself with the type of people you want to be like. So even just the other day when I went to that event, I was like, oh my gosh, everybody I'd talked to was like, because I'd say, oh, does this product have sugar in it? And they're like, no, 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 no sugar. We don't do any sugar. And I'm like, oh, there are people out there who just willingly just chose to quit sugar. I'm not around those kind of people all the time. So I look like, you know, this, you know, strange, Mm -hmm. you know, green giant (laughs) or something. And so you have to find the people that are going to inspire you to be better. And, And that's in every area of life. You want to hang out with people better than you, yep. right? You want to play tennis with people who are better with you, better than you, because they're going to help bring up your game. So bring up your game and change the people that you're spending time with, um, because it, otherwise, you stay where you are. Mm-hmm. So you it, gotta elevate. It's so true, and it's so funny you said this because I was thinking I'm like when you and I travel now, it's only going to be easier because mm-hmm. we eat the same, and like yeah. food is such a hard thing. I feel like when you travel with someone, like getting on the same page of, you know, diet and whatnot, but like now it's just one more thing that we're taking on the world together. I I love it. And Kevin too. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I would watch Kevin order like multiple pizzas, even if I, I mean, I have great willpower, but I'd look at it and I'm like, all right, I have to have one slice and I'd have a slice. Not that that was bad, but I didn't want it. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, For a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus, having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully, our jobs and everything in between. But it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. And I wasn't going to do it if he didn't do it. So it is hard when you have somebody in your life that, you know, you're spending all your time with and you're not going to divorce your husband to elevate. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? It's like you really want to try Mm -hmm. to surround yourself with the people that are going to inspire you to be better. And uh, and then, you know, you can, you know, gain your strength with them. So when you're around people who already have cut sugar, it's like, oh, well, that's exciting. Like that's a... Those are people that are going to help me mm-hmm. on my journey to do that. Anyhow, this is all just crazy talk, friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, Dr. Will Cole, leading functional medicine expert, consults with people around the world. He's uh, started one of the first functional medicine telehealth telehealth centers in the world. He was named one of the top 50 functional and integrative doctors in the nation. Cole specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing a functional medicine approach for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal imbalances, digestive disorders, and brain problems. Um, Let's uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll chat with Dr. Will Cole. 
So excited to have you here today. Thanks Thank for you ha- for coming. Thanks for having me. Um, so before we get into kind of all the gut brain stuff and all the things we want to talk about, the autoimmune diseases and mm-hmm. stuff, I really want to get a snapshot of where standard care may need improvement. Mm-hmm. I could say where they're going wrong, but I decided to switch it up and be um, a little bit more positive with it. Yeah. So where is standard care needing improvement and do you see a time where what you're doing is going to become more normal? I, I have hope. I have hope. I've been doing Evan in functional medicine for the past 12 years. And I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over yeah 12 years ago at this point. A lot has changed in just these 12 years where 12 years ago, what I was saying was more considered radical or strange or people didn't understand it. Now the Cleveland Clinic has a functional medicine center, you know, and so I feel like, all right, if mainstream institutions like that, brilliant institutions like that can adopt something in functional medicine, not because it's based on woo-woo, but because there's solid evidence, that's why they're throwing millions of dollars into it because it's the data speaks for itself. The outcome speaks for itself. So I see that. And many other instances where I hear from mainstream doctors, they'll tell my patients, they'll, because their they're, they're PCP will, or their endocrinologist will say, whatever you're doing, keep on doing it. They don't necessarily understand it, mm-hmm. but the data speaks for itself. When you yeah. see inflammation levels improve, when you see the person the, the, as the doctor, the person, the patient that you care for, right, actually improve, who could be against that? So I have a lot of hope. Where conventional medicine goes wrong, or how could it be improved upon? Number one is, and maybe it's best answered here to really go over the differences between what I do and conventional medicine because I really feel like functional medicine is the future for people, but it's here and now as well. First thing is we interpret labs using a thinner reference range. So anybody that's watching this, listening to this will know, when I get my labs, there's my number and then there's this reference range. We get that reference range from a statistical bell curve average of people who go to labs. People that go to labs, sadly, are not, they're going through stuff. Mm. So there's a lot of people, there's a ocean specifically of women that know intuitively something's off here. My brain fog, my fatigue, my weight loss resistance, my digestive problem, my anxiety, my depression, it's not right. And they go to the doctor, they run the basic labs, and the doctor says, more or less, for the most part, the labs look good. You're, you're just depressed. Here's an antidepressant. You're just a new mom. You're just getting older. All these well-intentioned reasons, but as to how you could be having these symptoms, despite these quote-unquote normal labs. Just because something's common doesn't necessarily mean it's normal. And comparing yourself to people that are going through stuff is no way for you to find out how you've how you can feel your best. So we're looking at optimal, not average in functional medicine. I think that's something that conventional medicine could do better with. So how does that look differently? Because if the the normal range for, you know, A1C levels is this, are you skewing it lower or higher or, or, you know, thyroid, whatever it is? It's typically, there's exceptions to this, but it's typically a, a, a tighter interval of numbers within that larger reference range. So for example, TSH is a great example, the thyroid stimulating hormone, looking at the thi- basic, that basic thyroid biomarker. The optimal range, and this is what the Cleveland Clinic's Functional Medicine Center uses, that's what we all use that's been trained by the Institute for Functional Medicine. It is about 0.45 to 2. The reference range in the lab is about 0.45 to 4.5. So there's about two numbers there from 2.5 to 4.5 where you're going to be said, eh, it looks a little sluggish, you know, you're you're fine here. And then the second thing I think to, to piggyback on the first of just interpreting labs, looking at the spectrum between health and health problems, because by the time somebody's diagnosed, researchers and this is any chronic or autoimmune problem, researchers estimate it's about four to 10 years prior to that diagnosis mm-hmm. when things were brewing on that inflammation spectrum. Yeah, they're starting to just creep up a little, a yeah. little, and a little, and no one says anything. No one says anything. By the way, they don't say anything when it says, like my thyroid level was like a 5-1 yesterday or something. I just got blood work and I'm like, what the frig just happened? Yeah. You know, something's going crazy in there. Exactly. That makes no sense because it went from zero to like that. Like it went from normal to 
super abnormal. And those are all snapshots in time. So we have to run more comprehensive labs too. And I think that's the second part I would say that mainstream medicine could do better. They are trained to diagnose a disease and match it with a medication. That's the training. That's the model. It works for a lot of people. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think it should be either or. I think it should be both and and give people choice and agency. And it's okay to ask questions and want to dig in. What does both and mean? It means I don't prescribe to the tribal wars between conventional medicine and functional medicine or conventional medicine and any alternative treatment. I think functional medicine really is about integrating the best of both worlds in. So it's fine to use the conventional model if it's working for you. Keep doing it, keep doing it. But what about the millions and millions of people that it's, they're falling through the cracks of that model Mm -hmm. because they are somewhere on that spectrum and they're not checking all the boxes to be labeled with a diagnosis code and given a medication. They're doing everything their doctor's telling them to do, but they're still feeling horrible. Mm -hmm. So the thyroid's a good example here is we need to run more comprehensive labs that doesn't change the medication. They're still going to get the Synthroid or the Levothyroxine. All they need is the TSH for that, maybe a T4. But what about the, all the other people that take the medication or are undiagnosed because they're on that subclinical, not they're out of the optimal range, mm-hmm. but they're still within the reference range. What do you do for them? So for thyroid, to use this as an example, we need to run way more labs to give them the answer because yeah. they aren't just, just depressed, quote unquote. Why? These are check engine lights. They're not just going through fatigue. Why are they going through fatigue? These are check engine lights. What's underneath the hood? And that's where we can run more data points to find out why they feel the way that they do. Yeah, that was funny because that's what my functional medicine doctor said instantly. She's like, we need to run more tests. They run like one standard test. They don't do all the others. And there's so many important yeah. markers, I guess, for you know thyroid. Um, but the other thing that I find that's you know challenging is they'll you'll, for example, I had an endoscopy and mm-hmm. they found some abnormalities and when you Google them, they are really not great. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but they're like, oh, looks, looks pretty good. You know, there's some, yeah, there's some stuff. We'll just check it again in two years. And I'm like, okay, but in two years it might become cancer. So like, what can I do to prevent me getting cancer? And they don't really have an answer. Yeah. And I think that when I turn to my functional medicine doctor, there are ways to prevent it, whether it's let's, you know, let's, you know, be better to the stomach lining. Let's Mm -hmm. see what, you know, there is always something you guys have up your sleeve. And I remember even when I went to my naturopath for the first time, I said, you know, I went in and I got just a few different supplements and Mm -hmm. within two weeks I retested and my blood work had completely shifted Mm -hmm. and gotten all greens. I was like, oh my God, this works so fast. She's like, your body's way more responsive than I thought it would be. but that's the difference, you know, when you get somebody that's going to look at kind of just all the things that need help and figure out how to optimize, but also kind of why it's maybe happening, right? Exactly. Yeah, the phrase that we use in functional medicine is upstream. Like, what's the root of why you have the problem in the first place? And these things don't happen in a vacuum. We want to actually look at the context and understand it. And the, it's instead of being so reactionary, let's be proactive. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Waze's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Waze seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free, up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. And if things are really bad, okay, we want to be there for you too. But we really want to empower people no matter where you're at on that continuum. Let's empower people to have agency over their health. And, you know, like you said, the data speaks for itself. When your labs improve, 
you'd have to be pretty freaking nefarious to be against somebody getting healthy and their markers on their labs improving. So to me, when people ask me, well, what do you say for the doctor? What do you say for the family member or the friend that doesn't get it? They call functional medicine woo-woo or they call it quackery. Well, the data speaks for itself. Let's see the labs improve. And that's all my patients really need to show their doctor or their family and friends is that my health's improving here. So what are you against now? Yeah. Well, and and I think with... Um, shoot, I just lost my train of thought, but it was something with the, the Western world. Um, I think we the way you described the Western world was great because it's it's really like it's diagnostic, mm-hmm. right? And then it's it's medication. But if you have something and you don't figure out what the root cause of it is, you could be taking the medication to fix that, but then something else is still going to go down, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, ultimately... And this is a nuanced position too, I think, that we have in functional medicine is anti-medication. I mean, we just want to ask the question, what is your most effective option that causes you the least amount of side effects? For some people, medications are going to fit that criteria. They need to be on it. There's life-saving medications. But there's a lot of people that that's the only option they're given and yet there's a lot more effective options that causes them a lot less side effects. Most of the time, no side effects. Mm-hmm. So that's where I want to go. Is like, what's be pragmatic about this? Let's be the most effective. Let's get the most granular. And ultimately, nobody is ultimately sick from a medication deficiency. You're not going to statin your way into health. <laughs> like I have a statin deficiency and I'm going to fix it. No, there's a reason why the cholesterol is off. Yeah, It's probably inflammation and liver dysfunction, metabolic uh, inflexibility, insulin resistance. Okay, let's fix that. Let's fix that metabolic inflexibility. Let's get that blood sugar balance. Let's improve that liver health. Let's lower inflammation levels. Then the cholesterol will normalize Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of suppressing it artificially with whatever we're talking about. Yeah, because if you're suppressing it with a statin and those insulin resistance things kept happening and all these other things kept happening, wouldn't you see a world in which that person could then be diagnosed with diabetes and other things, even if they are on the statin yeah. and you're trying to control the cholesterol, but the the root of the issue is still the issue yeah. and it's gonna still wreak havoc in its ways, right? Yeah, and, and this is a great example. I mean, statin drugs have been shown in the research to increase risk of diabetes. <laughs> so they're not only not dealing with it, but by suppressing it artificially, it can increase insulin resistance in some people. You can't mess with nature. There are things that are needed, right? There are there are need medications that are needed, but ultimately context matters. And can we, can't we ask these questions um, and really get these people better? And they deserve better. Um, and I think we should be in a time where it should be we should have the intellectual flexibility to be able to look at these things and not be so tribal and have such a God complex and have so much of a, uh, like a, a need to medically gaslight people. Mm. Let's just be okay with asking questions and figuring out the most effective option for them. I just got the chills. I also, um, I also think about um, the need for people to be so committed to their disease, (laughs) right? I'd love to talk about that because I see so many people who just believe in the diagnosis and the limitations of the diagnosis Mm -hmm. and allow that to be their future when if they actually could look at it through a different lens and say, well, you know, how could we even try to heal this? Like, why not try? Mm -hmm. Why not have hope and possibility? Why not have your mind be impossibility? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I don't know, I don't hear often people healing their brain tumors, but, you know, with their mind or through meditation or whatever, but that's what I'm trying to do right now. And I know I'm going to be successful. I know. Mm-hmm. I absolutely know. In fact, I feel like it's already melted and that's why all of these things are going crazy in my blood because out of nowhere everything's going crazy, unless that has to do with COVID, which I think is getting a lot of people sick afterwards, but that's a different story. I was like, if all my hormones and my thyroid are just exploding, maybe what I've done has actually worked and hor- the meningioma is hormonal and then that just whoosh, has yeah. to get out of the system. That's yeah. my theory. I love it. Well, I think you're right. I mean, people should be able to, I, I think, and that's why I think meeting somebody where they're at, because you're right, the identification with your disease 
is a real thing for some people. And they don't have the vessel to hear something different. Okay, well, I can't care more about your health than you do. You need to just love them where they're at and be okay with it. And that's why I don't try to preach to people that are like, just don't have ears to hear. But there is a growing amount of people that do want answers, that are asking questions, and that's okay. So that's where I'm coming from. Like, there's, I'm so excited to see the amazing group of people, like the millions of people that are waking up around the world that are just looking for options and choice. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not, it shouldn't be a threat to conventional medicine. To me, again, look, the Cleveland Clinic has a functional medicine center. Let's realize it can be both and. Yeah. It doesn't, like, that's so old and antiquated and archaic to, to feel like it's us versus them. I don't think it serves people. I don't think it serves people at all. I think it's a collaboration. I think health yes. should always be a collaboration. I, I agree with you. Um, but I do also believe that you know you have to you have to have your mind and possibility for anything in life, mm-hmm. but especially for your health. And if my mind was an impossibility with my mom's um, glioblastoma disease, I don't think we would have gotten as much time. And we got five years, which is like a miracle. Um, And we got five pretty good years. Like just at the end, it was rough because of the COVID she got. But but I think you have to have your mind in possibility because, you know, I I joke with the girls. I was like, Steve Jobs wanted to make this freaking thing that's going to have music on it. And like it was going to, you know, you have a lot of them on there, the iPod. And then he's like, oh, we're going to have a phone. It's going to have all this. And people are like, who is this psycho? Who's this crazy person, Mm -hmm. right? We want to put people on the moon. What? There's always (laughs) outcry when someone's trying to do something different, Yeah. yeah. right? But if people didn't pioneer these new paths and try, whether it's trying to cure, why are we so, we're okay with people doing research to try to cure something. But when someone says that they've cured it, you're like, no way, (laughs) this is a disease for life. Yeah. You're like, wait, I don't understand. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think I've heard it said, and I think it applies here, is that the person that goes through the weeds first gets scratched. Mm. And that's how it has been through history. And it's going to be, and it's the people that are vilified in hindsight. It's like, wow, they were onto something. They were really looking into things that now is normal. Yes. And that's, there's so many examples of that, not just in healthcare, but around the world. Yeah. Yeah. I remember years ago, like over 20, maybe 25 years ago, even more when my dad was having shoulder issues and my cousin worked for an acupuncture place. And we're like, what's acupuncture? And she said, I'm seeing people, you know, heal from stuff. And so we sent my dad in, he couldn't lift his shoulder. And then he did one session and his arm was over his head. And we were like, whoa, this is like magic. This is crazy. But acupuncture was still so new back then. Right. And and nobody really knew about it. Um, and now acupuncture, everybody goes to acupuncture. Right. And there's a lot of amazing data. Your dad didn't need the randomized controlled trial. He just saw for his life that it improved. Him. That's it. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> uh, but now in, in addition to that real life result, there's a lot of amazing science about something like acupuncture of mainstream institutions using that too. Mm-hmm. Again, it's okay to, you don't need all that quote unquote science to see real life results. But the cool thing is in the time that we live in, there is a growing amount of really cool science that shows what we're talking about here is actually we know the mechanisms as to how it works. Yeah. It takes a long time for us to get there and for like the the Western world to actually adopt it because there's so many, so much red tape they have to go through to implement something. Um, The only time I really watch people throw Hail Marys is when it's a deadly disease, Right. right? When it's stage four cancer and you have no other options, then people are desperate and they'll try stuff. But sometimes it's too late Mm -hmm. to try then. Not that you shouldn't. You always should. My mom had it. And I tried and I knew we were going to keep trying. Um, But as a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. (laughs) you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag. 
and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. It, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that we have uh, a more open mind when, you know, we're in that kind of spot Mm -hmm. than with something like, you know, arthritis or diabetes or thyroid disease or any Mm -hmm. of these other things, celiac, we have, you know, a much more closed minded approach sometimes Mm -hmm. to some of these because we're like, nope, it's forever. That's it. And I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and even just as simple as f- something is food, right? I mean, the vast majority of, depending on the study that you look at, it's upwards of 90 some percent of the chronic health problems that we're facing as a society today. Most of it is aggravated, made worse with food and can also be improved with food. It, food is implicated in some way, but yet it's talked about next to nothing in the conventional model. That is a, I mean, we talked about how it could improve, mm-hmm. but that's a whole training thing. Well, when you go to a hospital and they're still <laughs> serving Jello <laughs> right. and the fruit from those big, you know, big containers that's, you know, been in there for 20 years with all the preservatives. Yeah. And, and when you're still serving that, we have a major issue. Yeah. How are you thinking you're going to get better when you're eating that? That's not real food. Yeah. And it's a, it's so basic, right? It, so if they just the I, if anything, I think a starting point would be just that. I mean, I think, and then there's probably improvements in some pockets within mainstream medicine. I don't really hear about it. I'm sure that there are people that realize this very obvious thing to start changing. But like you <laughs> Let said, this, food be thy medicine. Yeah. How come we don't know that? Yeah, and that is the father <laughs> of 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 modern medicine. Yeah, if it's nothing new, I mean, it's just remembering where medicine came from. And poor old Hippocrates would be rolling in his grave right now. <laughs> And he also said all disease begins in the gut. I mean, this guy, I don't know how he knew this, but that's why he's the father of modern medicine. Did he say that? I didn't know that. Yeah. And I mean, Paracelsus, the, one of the, another father of modern medicine, Switzerland in late 1400s, early 1500s, he was known as the father of toxicology. And he called fasting the physician within. So you think of all these things that we just do normally in functional medicine, food, fasting, looking at gut health, all these things, they're not new. They're just a remembering of what was a part of our culture, our ancestry for thousands of years. So if all disease begins in the gut, let's talk a little bit about that gut and the gut brain connection and inflammation and all of that. Sure. So our gut and brain are formed from the same fetal tissue. So when babies are growing in their mom's womb, they're growing from that same fetal tissue and they are inextricably beautifully linked for the rest of our lives through what's known in the research as the gut-brain axis, the connection between the gut and the brain. So we look at vagal tone, the vagus nerve, it's, it's translated as the wanderer. It's this longest nerve in the body and it innervates, it connects the gut and the brain. And if you think about it, the intestines kind of even resemble the brain. The 95% of serotonin, our happy neurotransmitter, is made in the gut, stored in the gut. 50% of dopamine is made in the gut, stored in the gut. The second brain, the gut, influences the first brain in many, many different ways. So a lot of my patients that are going through fatigue, brain fog, depression, anxiety, we have to look at the implications that how is the gut and the gut microbiome influencing their brain health? And a major part of my job for my patients that have those issues is really empowering them to realize that mental health isn't separate from physical health. Mental health is physical health. And we like to compartmentalize mental health in our culture, like it's that, and then there's this, and we have a specialist for everything. But the reality is that all of the body's interconnected and that our brain, there's a whole field of research known as the cytokine model model of cognitive function. Cytokine is our pro-inflammatory cells. So it's research looking how, hey, the gut influences that, but also how just systemic inflammation can impact things like anxiety, depression, brain fog, fatigue. And then on top of that, the gut bacteria, the microbiome, that's upwards of 100 trillion bacteria, depending on the study that you reference, but it's a lot of bacteria. And we have about 10 
trillion human cells. So we're about 10 times more bacteria than human. People shouldn't take it personally. I am too. (laughs) (laughs) We are. We're sort of a sophisticated host for the the gut garden, the microbiome metropolis. And these things influence our mood. Studies have been looking at how different colony forming units of bacteria, bacterial overgrowth, bacterial imbalances, lower levels of some good microbes can increase anxiety, increase depression, increase cravings for certain foods. So... It's important. Hippocrates knew it. He didn't have the studies. Now we have the studies. So who, who's against this? Uh, you have to be living under a rock to be thinking this is uh, radical. This is not only has history on our side, but it also has really amazing science as well. So if you suspect somebody has a gut imbalance, mm-hmm. how do you handle that? Like, Do you have to have somebody go get an endoscopy so you can see inside too and then prescribe from there? How do you do it? All different conventional imaging studies to get an idea of what their gut health looks like, especially if that's more progressed. So if somebody has more colitis, if they have ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, if they have ulcers, the endoscopy, the colonoscopies are needed and should be um, looked at. Most of the time when you're talking about these functional issues to understand and assess the microbiome, first of all, this is such a rapidly growing science. So I have no doubt in another five years, 10 years, data, science, labs would be even better. But right now we have some really good snapshots in time. So it's actually a stool test Mm. that we run and some blood tests to assess the immune system and this gut garden, all the trillions of bacteria. So through a stool test, it looks like a fry dish that you go to the bathroom in, but you don't put fries in this thing. <laughs> don't use it afterwards. But you, it, you send it off to the lab, and we run these labs for people around the world. We can look at bacterial overgrowths. We can look at yeast and fungal overgrowth. We can look at good bacteria, bad bacterial balances. We can look at inflammation in the gut. You can assess something called zonulin and secretory IgA, which are the biomarkers to assess for leaky gut gut syndrome, which then things passing through the gut that should not be able to pass through the gut, like undigested food proteins, like bacterial toxins called lipopolysaccharides, they can, at that point, that's the seminal event the researchers are looking at as to what is triggering this epidemic of autoimmune problems and other metabolic issues. Okay, well, uh, where did the autoimmune condition come from? And I would say that to the rheumatologist or conventional perspective. Well, researchers are actually looking at that. And one component for many people, a very common comp- uh, component to it is gut health. So this is what we can assess on labs, both blood and stool for that example. Yeah, I have a few autoimmune situations and I'm starting to realize that it has to obviously have a lot to do with gut but we, we, we'll talk afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have a functional medicine doctor, but we'll collaborate together. Yeah. Um, I, um, I feel like uh, with autoimmune diseases, don't they generally say autoimmune diseases are incurable? Are all, all autoimmune diseases? Like if you think about it, what are the main ones? You have thyroid stuff, right? Yeah. There's over the data, the conventional data, is about 50 million Americans have an autoimmune condition. But that's the diagnosable ones. Then there's millions more on this... Undiagnosed. Yeah, autoimmune inflammation spectrum. So there's three stages. There's silent autoimmunity, meaning if you ran labs, you'd see markers, but the person feels fine. Mm -hmm. And then there's autoimmune reactivity, which is a lot of people. That's the people that it looks autoimmune. There's autoimmune markers coming up. They have symptoms. But they're not checking all the boxes. Again, four to 10 years prior to that diagnosis, things were brewing. Some data, it's just staggering to me still. You have to have 70 to 90% destruction of the, whatever you're talking about, whether it's the myelin sheath in the brain for MS, whether it's the villi in the gut for celiac disease, whether that's the adrenal glands for Addison's disease. You have to have significant destruction of those parts of the body before it's going to fit all the criteria and to be labeled. Wow. And then it's too late. I mean, well, it's, it's not too late, but yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it can be too late for some people, certainly, but for some people it's okay. Where, where are the check engine lights before that happens? And even if you are diagnosed, I want to encourage people to say, no matter how we can move the needle in the positive direction, whether that is remission or whether that's 50% better, 
let's see what the body can do. Mm-hmm. So it's better than just staying there and getting worse. Yes. So to me, yes, to say remission or these terms that are used when you talk about autoimmunity, yes, radical remission is possible for many people. And that should not be radical. There's many studies looking at that. Even radical remission, just random remission. Yeah. Where there's no explanation for it. I read a guy online had type one diabetes yeah. and had a radical remission. And the doctor, let me get the chills all the way down my body. He was a, he was a runner, I guess. So they were like they attributed it to maybe something with that, but out of nowhere, his diabetes went away. Yeah. And the the doctors all studied him. And so um, you know, we've had somebody on before who has been, who's in remission for celiac. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but I actually now met another woman who healed her celiac through Dr. Joe's meditations, who I'm going to have on the show. Mm-hmm. She had it for 16 years. Mm-hmm. And then she knew in a meditation that she was healed, she said, and she went and started eating and she has, I was like, do you have blood work? Cause now people want to see blood work. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I do. I was like, okay, cool. I got, I got to show the proof if I'm going to have you on now. But, um, but I believe that everything can be reversed. It doesn't mean everyone's going to have that opportunity, mm-hmm. but why not try? Right. And I've never met somebody, obviously the goal for many of my patients is to get it as low, as low in severity and frequency as possible. But I've never met somebody who is disappointed with having a better quality of life, with having less severity and frequency of flare-ups. Mm-hmm. It's a positive thing. So I just am saying, let's just see what the body can do. Mm-hmm. Let's give it the time that it needs and see what the outcome is. Everybody's moving in the right direction. All right, that's a great thing. It's a great success right there. Some people are able to put it in remission. Some people aren't, but because there's enough destruction done where they can't fully do it, mm-hmm. but they're still reclaiming their health. They're still living a long, healthy life. So that's my perspective on this. And that's, again, should not be radicalized, especially if somebody's sharing their story. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is what their experience is. Yeah. Well, you always need that one to be the new marker, like that goalpost for you. Yeah. Right. So what have you seen in your clinic that surprised you results wise? Mm. I mean, I have been doing this for a long time now. It is a story that comes to mind. And we put a lot of these on, on drwillcole.com because they just tell us. And then I'm like, hey, would you mind sharing that with people? Because I think it's sharing stories yes. is healing. That's why everyone does it. Yeah, exactly. So it's like even just hearing stories that are positive like that can actually change your biochemistry. So it is um, really powerful. And um, But the, when someone asks me that question, the, what it comes to mind is uh, earlier in my career, I think, because when you... Or earlier in your career, things just are core memories, I think. And there was this lady that she had an autoimmune condition. She was in her 90s. And I think this is a good example, too, because as we age, they're typically in our culture counted out, right? They are, mm-hmm. You're just in your, you're just getting older, yeah. right? And um, she was in a wheelchair. Her husband of the 70-some years was wheeling her in. And she could barely talk. She was very brain fog, fatigue, just stared at you. Mm. And she had different autoimmune conditions and we ran labs and we looked and we coordinated with her conventional doctor. Because to be honest with you, in this case, she was over-medicated quite a bit. Um, Her cholesterol was very low. She was on all these statin drugs and her brain is mostly fat. The brain is mostly fat. 25% of all our body's cholesterol's in the brain. This wasn't the only thing she had going on. It was a confluence of factors. But one of it is she was her cholesterol was so low, it was starving her brain. Wow. And the doc, she was just of the generation where if a guy with a white coat said it, she was going to do it. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's our parents and grandparents. That's the generation. And even so many people within our generation oh still. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's why I have this show. Yeah. Every day is like, let me sound the alarm and yeah. get people to focus on their health, take it into as high a consideration as they can, and let them know that they are in charge. You have to be the CEO of your health. Yes. And yes. gather the data from everybody and make the best decision you can with all of the information. Absolutely. So she, we ran labs, we coordinated with the doctor to like get her off some of these medications or at least decrease the doses of them. And 
we integrated functional medicine in our life. We implemented food protocols. We implemented natural medicine protocols. We implemented different biohacking, what I'd call advanced protocols to deal with it. She had mold toxicity as well. Um, mycotoxins, especially for people with autoimmunity and have different, what are called HLA gene variants, a human leukocyte antigen. And she had different methylation SNPs. She basically genetically was more sensitive to, sensitive to biotoxins. So mold, mycotoxins, uh, Lyme co-infections, different things like this. She had very high levels of toxic mold in her body as well. So we cleared the mold out, we got her gut healthier, we lowered inflammation levels. Her doctor was able to reduce even more medications when that happened because healthy people don't need all the medications. Again, it's not up for debate. The biomarkers are improving and it's like, okay, you're over-medicated at this point because you're getting so healthy. This lady that was in a wheelchair that couldn't talk was now walking with a walker and she was sharp as a nail. Aww. And what she said, this is why I, I think of her all the time. She said, when I was talking, when I first met you, I was planning my funeral. Now I'm planning vacations with my, with my family. And then I think of how many people- makes me want to cry. <laughs> Can you imagine a 90-year-old woman? That's so cute. <laughs> it is yeah. so sweet. Then I think of how many moms and dads and grandparents that just doing their best. They're just going about their day and yeah. they're trusting people. And I think of we need to do better. We need yeah. to do better for each other. Because we're all, I mean, it's so cliche, we're all in this life together. We're like, better together. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like we need to realize that life is so short, even for the longest living of us. Like, how can we live the best round here? Yeah, I love that. Oh, I love that for her. That's so sweet. Sweet Blanche. I don't you know, know where what? Blanche is at. A but. lot of people think, I love old people so much. Um, Kelsey and I share that. But, you know, a lot of people would just have counted her out at that point. Like, she's old, she's going to die anyway. Yeah. And like, now she has a whole new lease on life. And by the way, again, another inspiring story that it doesn't matter how old you are, you can still heal and you can still have quality of life. It's yeah. about quality, right? Exactly. And it's quality and, and quantity. I mean, you look at the majority of people in the world, the statistics are the vast majority of people are insulin resistant. They are somewhere on that insulin resistant spectrum, whether it's type 2 diabetes, trouble losing weight, hangriness, insatiable cravings. Research estimates you'll take four to seven years off of your life. So yes, it's quality of life when you have increased energy and you feel amazing and you're comfortable in your skin. Yes, but we can actually improve biomarkers to extend health span as well as lifespan. And I think both all of these factors need to be taken into consideration. Can you talk about insulin resistance? What yeah. does that exactly mean? Because we're starting to hear that term a lot mm -hmm. um, and I want to make sure people understand. Sure. So... Insulin is a hormone that our pancreas produces, and it's meant to regulate blood sugar. So you need insulin to get on the cell, any cell of our body, mainly the liver, to allow glucose in the cell to create ATP, or our cellular energy. Um, so the majority of people today are insulin resistant, meaning their body, the receptor sites on that cell. So I think of them as like baseball mitts on, a, uh, on the cell. They're meant to catch that hormone, in this case, insulin. The baseball mitts are not doing their job. They are like torn up arthritic baseball mitts. That's the receptor site. So we're not able to, it's a hormonal signaling problem. So actually the vast majority of people have an excess of insulin, which is a fat storing hormone. It also accelerates aging. It also impacts you know, oxidation and all these problems that feed disease. You basically exponentially increase your risk of all diseases when you are insulin resistant. So it's sort of a fundamental thing that we need to, it'll improve anybody's life by improving their insulin sensitivity, meaning getting glucose in the cell. So that's what insulin resistance is. The problem is why that is, it's not genetics. I mean, genetics haven't changed in 10,000 years. What's changed is epigenetics. It's our life. It's what they call an epigenetic genetic mismatch. And this applies to autoimmunity and all health problems. Um, but we are living in a brave new world in many ways that we're eating foods that humans have never eaten. We're exposed to things environmentally that humans have never been exposed to. And it's this perfect storm of epigenetic modulators, just stressors that are awakening these predispositions that have been lying dormant for 10,000 years, but are being triggered like never before because of this 
evolutionary mismatch. So that is a problem. But the great news is this is these are largely reversible, improvable, healable things. Again, for some people, 100%. For some people, 75%. Let's start moving the needle in the positive direction because there are genes that code for insulin resistance. But again, we many people have genetic predispositions for things. It's is that gene being triggered or not? Is it being awoken or not? And that's, we have agency over. We can make choices by looking at the foods we're eating, looking at our stress levels, looking at dealing with unresolved trauma, making sure that we're sleeping and optimizing our sleep, looking at environmental toxins and cleaning our, our life up here. That, these are choices that people can make. And this is really, hopefully, a message of just empowering people to do better. And you don't have to be perfect either. You don't have to be perfect. The body's amazingly resilient. Even with people just do lean into it, you, the body's amazingly resilient. So you can have that ice cream here and there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even better, let's teach them a better for you ice cream mm -hmm. too. It's like, I want my patients to love life and live a, an amazing, delicious life, but let's eat foods that love us back. I said recently, and I, I want people to have this paradigm shift with, shift with food. It's like, Continuing to eat foods that don't love you back is like staying in a toxic relationship and, re and wondering why you're still miserable. And, but avoiding foods that don't love you back is not restrictive, it's self-respect. And I want that paradigm shift for people to be like, what the heck? We have healthy boundaries with so many things in life. We talk about boundaries, 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 but it's, then it's called toxic diet culture whenever we talk about avoiding foods that don't love us back. Ooh, I haven't heard that. They love to say toxic diet culture because then you talk about any avoiding food, anything, they'll say, well, it's toxic diet culture. But no, I just love feeling great more than I want something that doesn't love me back. Yeah, it's health culture. Exactly. <laughs> it's awareness culture. Like we're just aware of what foods love us back and which ones don't. Wow. Um, are you of the belief that autoimmune diseases can be cured? I think there's... It's a nuanced position. The answer, the short answer is yes, because we have tons of data to show radical remission. So the language I would use is put it in remission. Okay. That's the language I would use. There are many researchers in the space that believe there's a recent book even called Cured or something like that, exploring the radical remission and what that's done. So the terminology that I use is, is remission. Let's decrease the severity and frequency of flare-ups. The person's still going to have the gene variants that predispose for autoimmunity, that, it, that gene is turned on. The clinical objective for me would be to keep that gene calmed down so we can have the immune system recognizing itself because that's what's going on here. The immune system loses recognition of self. So the, And then I think that's how eloquent that is of what's happening on a mental emotional level i think for some people but uh, physiologically that's what's happening it's molecular mimicry when the immune system attacks itself so without a doubt i see it all the time people put their autoimmune conditions in remission but i wouldn't and nor would they say i can go back and expose myself to the same toxins i used to be exposed to i can go back to eating the way that i used to be eating because there's the potentiality of a flare-up happening if they go back and do the things that weren't loving them back mm -hmm. so the language I would use would be remission, uh, and it could be remission for the rest of your life. So if you were to call that cured, mm -hmm. you can call it cured. But I want to monitor things over time to make sure that this stays in the remission. Yeah. I was, I was shocked. This woman I met at this meditation event who said she cured herself of celiac. Yeah. She was like, oh, you should see how crazy I went. I was <laughs> eating every bread thing you could imagine. And her husband was horrified. He's like, you're mm. going to die. Like she was, he was so scared. She's like, I know I'm cured. I know I'm cured. And she's, she was, she was like, I've never eaten so much in my life. And mm. I'm like, that would scare me that it would come back because obviously there's a reason you got it in the first place, Yeah, but she's been good for. Look. Yeah. And I think there are people that have the genes for, for celiac disease that never get celiac symptoms. So for this person that you're talking about here, that makes complete sense that she dealt with, like the analogy that comes to mind is like the bucket analogy. That's your genetic bio-individual ability to handle stressors. Some people have big buckets, some people have smaller buckets. You can't change your bucket size, but you can change what you put in it. Mm. She sounds like she emptied her bucket pretty significantly and she has some wiggle room to have that bread and not hit the tipping point. Yeah. 
And yeah, I, I think the gene's still the same. She didn't change her genes. But genetics only play a role. It's, it's estimated for most people with autoimmunity. It's about a third of the puzzle is genetics. Two thirds is epigenetics, which she did. So yeah, for some people, I've seen, I've seen people that the mom has celiac disease, like their other child has celiac disease, but the other person has the same gene coded for it, but doesn't have any symptoms. Bigger bucket. So yeah, exactly. And genetics are everything. It's not that gene's not been predisposed, it's not been reactivated or activated. So yeah, these are the nuanced things that, that play. In my opinion, for that woman that has celiac disease, I would not want to keep having a food that we know isn't really ultimately good for anybody. Yeah. Whether you have celiac or not. Yeah. But I mean, maybe get her a sourdough ancient <laughs> grain or something like that. Like that's my functional medicine mind of like, okay, cool. You can go there. But like, let's not try to like tip the bucket over just <laughs> playing with fire. So it is true if you're gluten intolerant that sourdough is a better choice. Yeah. You could do sourdough wheat. Or you can do gluten-free sourdough. It's an actual thing called sourdough wheat? Or like sourdough, like regular sourdough bread made with wheat. Ah. So that reason being is because the fermentation breaks down some of those lectins, the gluten protein, these type of things. It makes it more digestible for anybody. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. But you can do gluten-free. There's an amazing, I I think it's called Seriously Bread, something like this. I I saw it at Air One the other day. You all are blessed with Air One in Los Angeles. (laughs) And I need that in Pittsburgh. We really are. (laughs) So it's sourdough wheat bread at Air One? Well, this is gluten- Kelsey, go get it for us. Oh, I have have it. Is it good? Yes. Yes. The Seriously is gluten-free sourdough bread. To me, it's even better. There's so many gluten-free and grain-free options out there. You don't even need to have the gluten. Oh, True. I didn't even think of that. Well, this is like a whole new thing for me. So I'm like having to... I got you. Okay. I'm going to try you. that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so many thousands of questions and we don't have a lot of time. Um, but I do want to ask... Um, I want to make sure we got to everything we promised everybody. Did I get to everything, Kelsey? You did. I want to have uh, Dr. Cole back. I know he has a book coming out March, right? Yes. Yeah. And I want to talk, go more into the emotions that connect with gut, brain, all that stuff. But I feel like we have you back and do a whole episode on that because I have like 40,000 million questions about that. <laughs> like that's going to take time. Yeah. So besides okay. that, Maria, I oh. feel like you nailed it. Well, hold on. Okay. Let me ask my naturopath's questions. Oh, yeah. This is so fun. <laughs> so um, you guys will meet at some point. But uh, she said, I'm curious of three things. How he feels about chronic ketosis versus seasonal. Your take on the state of nutritional ketosis versus a ketogenic diet. And if he sees ketogenic diets failing in people living in certain environments or with certain lifestyles. I very smart questions. Mm-hmm. I think that they read my my books and they, they know what they're talking about. <laughs> the, uh, so I, all great, ketogenic diet, is a tool within the toolbox. There's amazing studies with certain brain cancers. There's amazing science around ketosis with metabolic inflexibility, insulin resistance that I mentioned earlier. There's a growing amount of evidence with um, other brain health problems and autoimmune problems, different inflammatory problems. But more isn't always better. So again, it's this either or. It's a keto is bad or keto is amazing. It's for everybody. Well, the truth is oftentimes somewhere in the middle and it's not sexy for social media because it's like the, talk, the, the tribal toxic tribalism within our culture with everything. But I, this is context matters. And how are we using this tool within the toolbox? So the ketogenic diet is fasting mimicking. It's mimicking a lot of the benefits of fasting with eating food. So the way that I advocate the ketogenic diet is more of a Mediterranean, clean keto way of eating. That's the topic of my first book. It was called Ketotarian. It came out in 2018. Um, so it's showing people to eat really whole nutrient-dense foods, but doing it in a way that supported metabolic flexibility. So it was a higher, healthier fat, like with fatty fish, olives, avocados, things like a lot of healthy fats there, clean protein, lots of produce. So I don't think that long-term ketosis is needed for the average person that's just looking to support metabolic flexibility. Metabolic flexibility means burning both sugar and fat. You don't always have to be in fat-burning ketosis mode, but some people need that tool therapeutically to help their nervous system. Mm -hmm. Like if they're going through seizure disorders, they need to be in long-term ketosis. 
and working with their doctor on that. If they are really having other autoimmune, I know many people with autoimmunity, they keep their autoimmune conditions and symptoms in remission in ketosis. Wow. So, but they know for their body, when they go out of ketosis, they don't feel as good. So those people need that tool within the toolbox more than the average lifestyle tool that's just saying, okay, I'll do it periodically, I'll do it cyclically, or like your, your doctor asks seasonally, which I talked about in, in Intuitive Fasting, which is my most newest book at this point, and Ketotarian, where you don't always have to be do it. You, you, you don't always have to do that, be in ketosis, because our ancestors, depending on where we came from, were able to maybe in the winter months, there was less seasonal fruit and starch, starchy tubers. So they'd be in more ketosis during the winter, and then they'd have the fresh fruit and the tubers, the sweet potatoes, the yams, these type of things in the summertime. So there's an ancestral way to use this tool within the toolbox. Again, why are we doing this? It's decrease, to de- decrease that chasm between genetics and epigenetics, because our genes are living in this brave new world. How can we eat more in alignment with how humans would have eaten for a long time so we can have an extended health span? People are living longer now, that's lifespan, but they're not living healthier longer. So let's have both increased health span and lifespan. Again, both and, it doesn't have to be either or. I love it. Dr. Cole, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Um, I feel a part two, part three, part four, and all of that coming up. (laughs) Anytime. Um, We are going to leave that right there and and close out. Thank you guys for being with us as always. If you guys want to know more about Dr. Will Cole, we'll put everything, his Instagram website, all in the summary of this episode. And in the meantime, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.